We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17 14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. everybody welcome back to a special episode a london packers episode of talk of the tundra i am your host Dumac, and joining me this week for a little footy in it is uh jordan tresky jordan how you doing uh today i'm doing well <laughs> wales no i'm doing well uh apologies for my uh nasally cold ridden voice i'm fighting fighting uh so i don't know a cold but i'm prevailing right now because you gotta get it for the podcast people a bit of the sniffles a bit of the sniffles yes (laughs) that's okay that's enough that's that's (laughs) enough obviously we are excited to cover the uh the packers going to london this week for the first time ever against the new york giants but before we get into that, we have some housekeeping business uh, to get through uh, regarding last Sunday's game against the pa- Patriots and have some cheese to give out. Like we had mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, we are going to start giving away cheeses on the preview pod as it gives us a chance to go through the uh, L22s and some of the grades for the uh, players we don't really see that often on the screen, like cornerbacks and sometimes the linebackers, the offensive linemen, tougher to watching you're watching rogers and the specialists and things like that so um couple of the cheeses to hand out earning a nice slice of monster 
Romeo Dobbs, Aaron Jones, Lazard, Jaron Reed, Rudy Ford, and Darnell Savage for their efforts this past Sunday. In particular, Alan Lazard and Aaron Jones standing out with over 100 yards uh, in their respective areas. 110 yards rushing from Aaron Jones, 116 yards receiving from Alan Lazard. And then... Um, just shout out Rudy Ford too. Rudy Ford had a really good game filling in for Adrian Amos after he went down. So, really good stuff there. Then earning a pepper jack for his dominant game, uh, against Bailey Zappi and the Patriots was Rash- Rashawn Gary. So, uh, Jordan, anything to say on uh, our cheese and dairy eating Packer friends? <laughs> Hard to quibble with any of those. I, I think Rashawn Gary again. Been off to a torrid start. That's a word that people use when they want to sound smart, hence why I used it. Um, Alan Lazard, Aaron Jones really carried the offense. Rudy Ford, as you said, coming in for Adrian Amos, who it sucks when like someone gets hurt that is like you know this key starter mm-hmm. and he gets hurt on a good play, like mm-hmm. he it was he wrapped up, um forget the wide receiver for the Patriots, but yeah. wraps him up. And it was just like this weird play that he just gets a concussion from. But um, yeah, yeah. props to Rudy Ford for stepping in and not really losing a step in that you know area of the Packers defense. Yeah, big props um, to him. Six tackles, I, two targets to his side or his receiver for no yards, no no catches, and, uh, and a pass breakup. So he did, he did really well filling in. Yeah, yeah, both Packers safeties too. Obviously, as you mentioned, was Savage getting some cheese. Yep. Um, am I missing anyone else? No. Nope. Did I miss anyone? Uh, say, yeah, that is it. Both of them again. Dobbs, Jones, Lazard, Jaron Reed, Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, and then Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary looked like he was going to take out Billy Zappi's career on his first <laughs> drive. He was rushed him on like the four-yard line, but luckily oh Zappi got God. away. He is just so explosive. <laughs> he uh, tied for third in sacks with six this season. Or five. I think it's five. It's five. We'll give him six. No, because six is first. <laughs> oh. I'm pretty sure it's five. I'm going to go with five. <laughs> um, but to recap this season's uh, cheese board, the charcuterie board, if you may, um, topping the list predictably is Aaron Jones and Rashawn Gary with four. And then we're going to go through the list of two and hopefully we get them all. AJ Dillon with two, Quay Walker, Jair Alexander, Aaron Rodgers, Preston Smith, Pat O'Donnell, Romeo Dobbs, Devondre Campbell, uh, Keyshawn Nixon, and Kenny Clark. And with one is Zach Tom, Eric Stokes, Razul Douglas, Mason Crosby, Demi Watkins, Elton Jenkins, Al Lazar, Jaron Reed, Rudy Ford, and Darnell Savage. So we will have the Substack ready for you guys this week, and you'll be able to go back, reference that, and see what the leaderboard looks like throughout the season. Jordan, should we jump in to what is a historic week in Packers football? Yeah. Uh... Not just that. I believe I saw today across the Twitter sphere. Okay. This is the first London game in 32 games yep. that features two winning teams. Yep. Two teams above 500. How and does that happen? They, Besides the fact that the, the Jaguars, it's their part-time home. So that kind of explains some of it. That's least. a lot of it. Yeah. That, that is a lot of it that the Jaguars were the primary London team for so long. And they didn't 
have that good of a record for most of those years. That's why they were trying to build their like, base. It, it, that overlapped when they went to the championship game with like the Jalen Ramsey year, right? Maybe right. they just had a they just had a, a bad a bad opponent or something too. Yeah, that is true. It, but it's not like, I feel the, like it's it's not like the Packers or the NFL planned this. Like who? No. Like the Giants are three and one, and nobody expected them to be three and one. <laughs> yes, the Giants who have a five plus five point differential, which is one point lower than the Packers point differential <laughs> at three and one. So I guess we Good. can't. People in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. <laughs> <laughs> or pounds, they call them over there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing pounds. <laughs> Gotta stop. But no, I think it, it's uh, it's really cool to be finally going over there for the Packers. Like, getting into, like, as I mentioned, when, I first, when we first started the podcast and I sort of introduced myself, I'm from Green Bay. And I all I've heard my entire life is talking about people from all stretches of the United States and stretches of the world being Packers fans. They have just this national and global presence as a football team. And I couldn't really tell you why, as to why there's one of like the most popular teams worldwide and across the country. Maybe it's just because they were the team when the NFL was first organized. Right? I don't know. But I think it's really cool to be able to give the fans in Europe and in London the opportunity to see an Aaron Rodgers-led team and a Packers, uh, a Packers team essentially, be playing over there, especially in a time when they're still good. And it stinks they had to wait this long. I think it is mostly because uh, Mark Murphy and the rest of the Packers people didn't want to give up that home game. You have to go. You have to give up to go to London. But now that there's 17 games in a season, you get the extra home game. So it's basically just a wash for the Packers now going over there. So. Jordan, what are you? What are your thoughts on it being a Packers fan, being able to go into London for the first time? I think it's fun. I mean, it's largely based on that fact of Packers were never really. It wasn't even like they were rumored to be like in consideration. It was like, okay, you have at least Jaguars going over. There's the occasional like good team that goes over mm-hmm. there, like maybe the Saints or something. But like they played last week. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, that was like a non-starter though, and like in with the Packers, kind of just made like all the London games. Like I didn't really care, right? <laughs> By being completely honest, but now that it's their turn and they're finally taking the chance. The other thing too is that like they can easily make it up with them. It helps that they have an extra game, but they also will make it up if they have another good season and have another home playoff game, right? Hopefully two. Hopefully two. Hopefully two. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as you said, I think it's just. For whatever reason, this little team out of Green Bay just kind of brings on the Harry Styles of the world, a, a famous Brit, um, and just <laughs> it's just it it is it's weird to think about that like the Packers are this worldwide brand yep. playing in a league or a, a sport that really just only exists professionally yeah. in North America. Yeah, that isn't a worldwide but, sport. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, I think maybe maybe it does have to go with like when NFL Europe was a thing. I'm old enough to know about NFL Europe, <laughs> and the fact that it was in Madden games, which is even crazier. Right. Um, that is when the Packers started to have their renaissance under um, Ron Wolf, Mike Holmgren, of course, Brett Favre. Yep. Um, so yeah, maybe that Vikings maybe legend Brett Favre. 
Yes, Vikings legend Brett Favre. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe that has something to do with it, or just just the name. It also could be just the story of it, the fact that it's this little team and it's owned by the community. It's not owned by one person or anything like that. Right. Um, I don't know, but it, it it it's very cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think like giving like that is like my local perspective too. Um, I knew a lot of business owners in Green Bay, and I knew a lot of bar owners, and uh, my family was like a small business owner in in Green Bay, and like the amount of money that the Packers bring in to the community on on football Sundays is a lot. It's it's really important for local the local economy. I'm not saying I disagree with the Packers' choice not to do that because obviously the Packers make money uh, having home games and uh, benefiting off of all of the fans coming to the stadium. But I'd like to think that since it is a community-owned and a fan-owned team, that they had sort of the community's best interests in mind and understanding that if you were to take away a home game from this local community, it costs them millions of dollars in uh, tax revenue on a Sunday mm-hmm. when you don't have it. I remember like really realizing this was when um the Phil Mary happened. I believe it was uh I forget the mayor's name. Mayor Schmidt, I forget his first name. Uh wrote a letter to the NFL asking them to end like the um the, like to further negotiations with the referee union to bring the original refs back because one game in a 16 game season when they lose like that on a, on a call that is wrong has playoff implications. And if the Packers would have lost a home game over that, that would have cost the local economy, like I said, millions. And mm-hmm. so it's just really cool to see that maybe the Packers were thinking that way. And, and I understand that's probably not totally their entire way of thinking, but it's nice to see that kind of be made up for with the same amount of games. And now they get a chance to grow that brand even more than it already is cross country and across the world. No, I think that is a. I I had. I don't think I've even heard the story about the mayor. Yeah, writing. I will. I will look it up quick while you talk. Um, but to your point of like just the overall business effect on it, I mean that was a huge thing with COVID and the fact that they couldn't have fans in the stadiums and all that stuff. And just, I think it was even Mike Holmgren himself, like he was pledging just like how much this would devastate Green Bay because of just you know everything is so banked in on the Packers <laughs> being a successful team and being a destination, being a destination for what, six months out of the year, if you're including like training camp and mm-hmm. all this stuff. So yeah, that is, that is an even more relevant point with why it has taken so long. And, you know, obviously it just falls under like the greater good of, maybe you get some new fans across the pond and want to make the trek out to Lambo and all that stuff that by doing something like this, that you're, you know, making that calculated step to kind of be like, okay, it might hurt this week, but then we got how many more home games? Six. Yeah. Yeah. Six more home yep. games and then hopefully another home playoff game too. Right. So yeah. No, it's good. Uh, just of the quick Google. Um, I got to the wiki the wiki page of the Phil Mary, which has its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> and it's lengthy at that. Um, then Mayor Jim Schmidt was his name. 
Mm. Uh, sent a letter to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell stating, quote, as an elected official and public steward, I'm concerned about the impact on the integrity of the game and the significant financial effect that it may have upon our community. So, yeah, the, it was important that, like, it was, it was that important, which, like, wow. the, yeah, so, um, overall, really cool to see them go over there. I'm hoping that I see a lot of green and gold in the sands. I'm sure I will, just to help further that point. But, um, We'll probably see a certain couple people over there. Maybe one Aaron Rodgers lookalike. Frank. <laughs> By, or, uh, these, uh, they had it on the Bears Sunday night game. I hope really. they don't hold him hostage like they did during that game. He looked so yeah, awkward during they're that. They're just going to roll him out everywhere. <laughs> He's going to catch the game winning touchdown. It's like, you don't even play football. You don't even go here. You're not even on a 53-man <laughs> roster. <laughs> But yeah, I think it'll be good. I'm hoping that it doesn't, like, I'm always nervous for, like, international games, like, especially like, the London game, that's a travel across the Atlantic to get there, and it's a lot of a lot of travel, and just, it's a weird game for a team during the week. Oh, I'm yeah. hoping that it's a good game. Um, If it was, like, if it's a stinker, I'm going to be disappointed, but that's beside the point, so, regardless, I think we'll, we should be, a, be in for a good game. Mm-hmm. Maybe even one like the Viking Saints last week, where they went to had the game-winning kick. I believe it was. That is true, and it featured featured a double doink. A double doink, yeah. That'll one rope game. anybody in. <laughs> That'll rope. Even though it's the last last play of the game, <laughs> right? <laughs> It'll keep some people around for more. But yeah, let's hop into a preview about this week. Packers going against the three and one New York Giants, which, as I said earlier, nobody really expected, but three and one. Mostly, we'll do it 50-50 this way. 50-50 of 50% of it being they haven't really faced anybody. Their uh, three wins come against the Panthers, the Bears, and the Titans. The Titans look like they're kind of okay, kind of good, kind of bad. They're not really consistent. They're the Titans, I'd, yeah. I'd say. And they yeah. lost to the Cooper Rush-led uh, Cowboys by a touchdown. So um, overall, a little surprising that they're there, but also not so surprising considering... Two of their wins are against the Bears and the Panthers, who are abysmal. Yes. So, and surprisingly, they won against the Bears, given that Daniel Jones was pulled out of the game because of his ankle injury. Tyrod Taylor came in, got a concussion, and they put Daniel Jones back in, and they still won. So maybe that tells you more about the Bears than it does the Giants. Um, but I think it's I think it's worth noting that all these games are really close. They um beat the Titans by one, beat the Panthers by three. Lost by seven to the Cowboys and one by eight to the Bears. So all one score games. So we could be in for a, a nail biter, it's, it mm. seems, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, tr- given how this season has trended, too. Yeah. And the other 50% <laughs> of that, that 50-50 margin of why they're 3-1 and one is the rushing attack. Saquon Barkley looks like the Saquon Barkley we expected him to be as a player. Uh, leads the league in rushing, right, Jordan? Yes, Lee's league in rushing, I believe it is. Let me bring it up here. Sorry, I'm vamping. Vamping, so vamping, tabs. vamping. So many tabs. <laughs> this is why it should be organized before. Yes, 463 rushing yards. Not just that. He has the most yards from scrimmage with 570. So, yeah, it's not just a matter of Saquon Barkley looking like this historic. Yeah, he went number one, right? Two. He's, Two. Who's number one that draft? Uh, Vamp some more, I'll tell you. 
Hmm. Anyway, it's not just a matter of Saquon Barkley looking like the most historic running back prospect in the last 10 years. Um, they are, they have identified him as the workhorse. Um, obviously Brian Dable, first year head coach too. Um, kind of makes sense just because Daniel Jones is Danny Dimes as they, Danny as Dimes. what they call him. Um, <laughs> kind of know the story on him, just very turnover prone, not yeah. unlike his predecessor, Eli Manning <laughs> Fair enough. in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and Saquon with good health and uh, his legs under him has been running all over the field. Yeah. I think uh, first overall pick that year, by the way, was Baker Mayfield. Oh, that was that draft. Ba- Baker, Saquon, Sam Darnold. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Two Panthers and a giant. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. But, um, Yeah, Daniel Jones is, he's fascinating to me. He's a, a quarterback who seemingly can't get out of his own way sometimes and like every time I, I think about him the only thing I think about is he had that breakaway like 60 yard touchdown run and tripped over his own feet to not get a touchdown and I feel That's like right. that is the encapsulation of Daniel Jones as a football player like he's he has some of the ability he just can't put it all together in order to be a successful NFL quarterback Um, he's he's got, got the legs for it too he's a sneakily good runner like I think both of his touchdowns last week, he had two rushing touchdowns. Um, yes, he did. Uh, were both scored on like bootlegs at the goal line. <laughs> like you think like bootlegs are reserved for people like Lamar Jackson or Colin Kaepernick of old and like running quarterbacks, not Danny jo- Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, I the name that comes to mind, and we saw him a lot over the years, especially when he was drafted by the Bears. Watching like Mitch Trubisky play an NFL game, right? It was like, oh yeah, you want to if you want to get the best out of him, get him on on the ground and you like utilize the speed. He's not that great of a thrower. He, it's not like the Bears had great weapons with him outside of Allen Robinson, who's just perennially under targeted or under serviced in every <laughs> team that he goes to, right? But it's like. You watch someone like that, and it's like, okay, he's clearly not like an ideal starting quarterback, but he's going to play for 10 years. Right. Because there is going to be use for him, or some team will always talk it talk themselves into. Yeah. Well, he, he's not a bad number two. I think that that's kind of where like Daniel Jones is for me, is like there's talent there, but as you said, like on one play, it could just be him, like, <laughs> not knowing that the cornerback is, like, right in his receiver's face and is about to pick up the ball. Or right. he is incredibly turnover prone. That, I think that's more of his problem than anything. Like he's just – it's not a matter of just throwing bad picks. It's He fumbles like crazy, too. Right. I think – Go ahead. He doesn't have like the golf hands, does he? He doesn't have like the small hands. I couldn't tell you. I'm not, I'm not into it that much. Mm. <laughs> Um, to look back, but I think part of it too is like maybe this is this is where I think he's going as a quarterback is he's going to end up like Baker, Jameis, Marcus Mariota. Um, I forget the other one that went with Marcus Mariota, but players Jameis. who, yeah, Jameis, yeah, um, those four that got drafted by their teams as high 
like pick quarterbacks to lead the franchise. Stay with that team through their rookie contract. Go to a different team because the team that drive didn't want them anymore, and then do poorly. Like Baker is yeah. not doing well at all. Jameis is okay. He's teetering on not succeeding in New Orleans. Um, Mariota is not doing well in um, Atlanta. No. And Daniel Jones already had his um, fifth year option declined by the Giants. So um, I believe he'll be an unrestricted free agent next year. Yes. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen is that he's going to be chipped off to whatever mid-level contender to be a backup. He's like the, it's the, it's the NBA or uh, uh, basketball has the term second draft of these guys that get picked really high, fail to meet expectations with their, the team that drafted them. Right. And then it's a matter of, okay, well, we might have a quarterback battle. Say if he goes to a team like the Falcons who are like, okay, we trade away our franchise quarterback over the offseason. We're in a clear rebuild. Yeah. Second year head coach, I think, with Arthur Smith. Yep. Will, um, be, will be his second next year, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, okay, what do we – we don't want to get too good too fast because we want to not have – we want to have a good pick and get a blue-chip talent in the draft. Yeah. So we'll talk ourselves into Daniel Jones or – yeah, or 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 get Daniel Jones to uh, compete against. Uh, oh, I forget his name, Ritter. Uh, yes, I think it's Desmond Ritter, but I don't want to. Yeah, misspeak. I'm gonna look it up really fast. But that kind of that kind of yeah, Desmond Ritter scenario, whether it's the Falcons or whoever, any rebuilding, any team. rebuilding or mid level team that needs to give their quarterback room some depth to see if it's worth bringing him in as an average quarterback. Or rolling with a rookie or young guy to see what they can bring you to be able to make a decision on him soon. Yeah, exactly. Like in a scenario, the Packers are bringing Daniel Jones to compete against Jordan Love to see if Love can actually beat out Daniel Jones or if they move on from him, or just to have a pro ready backup for Jordan Love in case something gets hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's going to be his uh his career path. But even then, like he's not. A bad quarterback. He's just like you said. He can't put it together. You mentioned the fumbles. I didn't. I, I remember he had a fumbling problem. I was looking on um the stats here. Eighteen fumbles his rookie year. Eleven. Oh. Eleven his uh second year. Uh seven last year, and then one this year already. So he's going down. Eighteen. That is more than a game. He had eighteen fumbles in twelve games started. Oh my god. Fourteen that games is total. But yeah, it's he fumbles a lot. But even then, like he's 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 talented. He just can't put it all together. Like we mentioned, I mentioned he's a good running quarterback. Uh, four games this year on thirty-one attempts, he has hundred and ninety-three rushing yards. He's averaging more yards per rush than Saquon is. Which, like, average rushing, like average, isn't the end-all, be-all. But he's averaging six point two yards a carry he's, versus he's, Saquon's yeah, he's five making... and a half. And as you mentioned before, they're doing design runs for him. It's right. not like just freewheeling and he's got a lot of time in the pocket. Exactly. Which also, to be fair to uh, Daniel Jones, um, if <laughs> considering just how much of a dumpster fire the Giants have been the last couple of years <laughs> under before Dave Gettleman left, like right. it was like he was set up for success, which is why his pick was such 
a polarizing one when it happened in the in the moment. Right. And so, like, I guess part of this good rushing attack that the Giants have, I guess, stems from is that their passing attack just isn't the best. Yeah. Their their rece- their leading receiver is Richie James, who, with all due respect to Richie James, maybe it's my ignorance. I've never heard of Sounds him. Sounds like a Peaky Blinders character. <laughs> I haven't heard of him. Maybe it's just he's he's a, a low string receiver that's getting more looks than the other receivers, but um lack of like talent that's panned out in the receiving room. Uh Sterling Shepard tore his ACL last excuse me, last week. And for what it's worth, Sterling Shepard is second in um yards on this team with 154, one yard behind Richie James, but Sterling Shepard tore his ACL last week, and then their receiving room was supposed to be led by Kenny Galladay, who was the old Lions receiver, and, and he they, just hasn't been good. It's just They paid a pretty penny to get him, too. paid a pretty penny to get him, and he has played in four games. He has two receptions on six targets for 22 yards. Oh. It's not good. Like That's, that's part of the all. reason that Maybe they just need to rely on this rushing attack as much as they do. But it's just because the, the passing game isn't working out for them. So to bring it back to this matchup this week, the Packers, the Packers are going to think play this game a lot like they did against the Tampa Buccaneers. The receiving room talent is going to be about on par, in my opinion, as to what um, the Buccaneers was. Like If Richie James, Wanda Robinson, if he plays, and... Uh, Kenny Galladay are your um, your main receivers. You're on the level of Russell Gage, Rashad Perryman, and Cole Beasley. <laughs> Who just retired. Who just retired. Today. So, yeah. But it's that same idea and that I think this game should go game planning wise a lot similarly to Tampa's game. Yes. Now, course the caveat is whether the game planning of trying to not get burned by saquon and limit all these explosive plays right on the ground can that actually mean in reality because the packers run defense is just not good it's a problem problem it's a problem regardless of whether it's joe barry mike Patton, or going back to the days of ed donatel or Ugh. whatever it is <laughs> Right. Name a Packers defensive coordinator, Dom Capers, of course. And I'll Name vomit. A Packers <laughs> Packers defensive coordinator, and it's been a problem. Right. But yeah, the explosive plays is big. Um I know someone posted on Twitter, I think you have that up. Is the the, the, <laughs> the big plays chart is a funny one. The uh Packers are high up on it, but weirdly, so are the Giants. Yes. The Giants have the uh, 25 explosive or most big plays through. Uh, I, let me start over. And Got explain it. This again. <laughs> um, the Giants have the most rushing big plays, which is a big play is considered 10 yards or more in the entire league with 25. Yeah. They have uh, 29 total. 29 total, which <laughs> is an incredible disparity. It backs That's up incredible. everything we just talked about. Is that their pass game isn't good, but their rushing game is really good, and their wide receivers cannot stay healthy or are unproductive and by cataclysmic 
levels. <laughs> right. For context, listeners, breaking down that fo- breaking down that fourth wall and getting into your ears a little bit. The Packers have 35 big plays this season through four games. Their split is 18 rushes, 17 passes. Rushing is rush a rush big play being over 10 yards, a receiving big play being over 20. So, like that's a balanced attack from the Packers. The Giants have lead the league in rushing big plays at 25, as Jordan mentioned, and are last in passing uh, big plays with four, the next most being eight with the Chicago Bears. <laughs> like when Justin Fields and them not throwing uh, the ball are it, beating you in big plays, <laughs> that's not good. Especially <laughs> after having 11 attempts against the Packers. Exactly. Like, it's... It's it's bad. It's bad. Like when the ball's in the air in in uh, MetLife Stadium, not that good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For For either team. For either team. That's over the Giants. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, I mean, from that standpoint, Saquon is going to be uh, the first, second, third bullet point on the Packers' defensive scouting report. As that's a matter be. of just, can they hold up? This is the big question. They've gotten burned by, you know, lesser running backs or tandems all throughout the season, really, at this point. Right. Um. Saquon's a different animal in that regard where it's like he can single-handedly carry the Giants to a victory. Mm-hmm. And that is tough. I mean, I, I think too, it's it's not even just the running game, it's the fact that they'll make any quick decision that they make to get the ball in his hands, whether it's like a pitch or doing these little screens or I don't know, beyond just hitting him the ball like i think that's what makes him so you know such a threat and obviously we see that with aaron jones and how much that gashes opposing defenses now it's like okay we see that with our own you know number one running back and aj Dillon's not far behind but mm-hmm. how do we stop that on the other side of the ball and what can we do to really i don't know just limit Saquon just be able to get what he wants. <laughs> right. No, understandably. Like it's if they can't stop Saquon, they might lose this game. It's simple enough. It's that fair. Because if I they mean, just let Saquon get two hundred yards on him, then that's a good recipe to lose the game for. And it's not like outside the realm of possibility. 
when you have um, Damian Harris and Ramadre Stevenson going off, not just going off, putting up over 150 yards combined last week, and then uh, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert putting up a big numbers in um, week two with against the Bears, and then Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison doing, I guess, as much work as they were able to when Justin Jefferson wasn't catching the ball. But they really have only shown a really good run defense against Leonard Burnett, which is in the same capacity as we talked about earlier, that this is going to be a similar game that if they focus on the run game and focus on Saquon, they should be able to hold them, but they have to buckle down and do it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is that if they have a successful run game, that means longer drives. That means controlling possession, controlling the tempo. And where the Packers got into trouble last week and have gotten into trouble uh, in each and every one of their wins at this point, actually probably every game, it's the turnovers. It's these, you know, you, that that it when the other team is playing, it, they don't have to be playing lights out. It's just like if they're playing reasonably well and they're just kind of coast not coasting along, but just like connecting these drives and taking it e up clock and all that stuff. Like that is the great kind of just cancel out effect of like the Packers offense has proven to be explosive. They can make these big plays. It's not, they are showing that they can, they have a life without Devonte Adams. Right. Um, exactly. And a lot of good, you know, options at the disposal. Mm-hmm. But they, to kind of put this altogether thematically, they also have not been able to get out of their own way, right. whether it's, you know, the fumbles or Rogers kind of being off with his wide receivers or just, you know, the, the pick that pick sticks um, at the end of the first half against Patriots, like, that is the kind of stuff that can easily be corrected over the course of the season, but mm-hmm. it doesn't make it any less frustrating to see it happen regardless. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, we can probably move on a little bit just from like their offense, and because I think we kind of exhausted what that'll look like. Be like Tampa. Hopefully the Packers can, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute, the Packers can be better on offense than against the Giants as they were um, against Tampa. But like their defense isn't exactly a slouch either like they are 10th this season in yards allowed with just over 1300 but just ahead of them at seventh are the packers with 1100 almost 1200 so the defenses have been kind of like the same their rush defense is really good they have i'm sorry i'm opposite their pass defense has been really good um allowing the like middle of the pack 18 um oh i'm all over the place 25th. So they've been the seventh best team in uh, past yards allowed, which mm-hmm. is probably emblematic of the quarterbacks they've faced in Tannehill, Cooper Rush, um, Justin Fields, and who was the last one? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. So like Six takeaways, too, I believe. I'm, um, I'm not sure what, how that is divided. What with between interceptions and fumbles, but right, they have no interceptions. It looks like. Wow, that is. I'm pretty sure is how I'm reading this chart. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they have forced fumbles. That is kind of impressive. I'd say. <laughs> so it'll be like, protecting the ball will be important this week. <laughs> exactly. Robert Dobbs looking at you, buddy. Just kidding. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. But 
Um, the rushing defense, on the other hand, has given up a lot of yards. 564 rushing yards through four games, good for fifth worst. Like, that's just going to be the script again, that the Packers need to run the ball there in Jones and A.J. Dillon, and then hopefully they can set up their passing game to take advantage of this lackluster pass defense. Yeah, I mean, again, you ride you ride Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and hopefully he kind of breaks free even more with... There's just a disparity between how it's gone for A.J. Dillon versus Aaron Jones, who I think has the highest yards per touch I think he in does. the NFL. I believe he does. Which, yeah, he's just been exactly what they needed more to start the season. Right. But I think that's even more... That's again, this is to, to with the game being in London, it'll be really interesting how much of an effect it has on the game. Just like how, what does, how does it affect, you know, the run game or how LaFleur wants to play? And I believe they're flying out today, right? As of when this is released into the feeds, yes. Thursday. They're Thursday. flying out Thursday. So that is. You're going to be there for three days and have to adjust the time. Like, that is kind of, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, my point is just like, how does that affect playing in a new surrounding, playing overseas, and just right. all the things that they're going to have to get used to over the next 24 to 48 hours? Right. How does that affect their game plan? How does that affect, like, <laughs> just practicing? I don't know. It's it's a new experience. So, like, it very well could be overbuilt and, just how different it is, but you'd be lying if there wasn't some of that kind of creepy into just how different and foreign, uh, pun intended, the the experiences. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think that if we, that I think the rushing game will succeed this game. I'm hoping it does. But I saw a stat earlier today on Twitter that was really kind of eye opening too. Is that like clearly through these first four games, the rushing game has been our bread and butter. It's been the majority of our offense um, throughout these wins. Even in, oh, I forget what we did during against the Vikings that lost, but on this three-game winning streak we're on, the running game has been a critical part of why we've succeeded. And Aaron Jones and Adrian catching passes too. The running backs, I should say, have been a critical important or critical part of the Packers' success so far this season. Um, but the stat I saw was that Aaron Jones has not seen an eight-man box yet this season in a rushing attempt, which is crazy. But it's sort of emblematic, or it, not emblematic, it shows that teams are still way more afraid of Aaron Rodgers than they are of Aaron Jones, which, like, I'm fine with. If they want to mm-hmm. keep letting Aaron Jones do Aaron Jones things, I'm good with it. Ideally, it is kind of showing itself that Rodgers isn't having his best start of a season he's ever had. But three and one like the results have worked out they've been ugly wins but i don't think they're going to be this ugly all season and so ideally defenses will learn that they can't get beat by aaron jones every game otherwise they're going to be losing and that they'll let they'll anticipate the rush more which is what we talked about in past uh pods is that keep hammering the run so that it opens up the passing game and i think once um Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon start seeing these eight-man boxes on rushing attempts. 
that's when you'll start seeing Aaron Rodgers sort of become Aaron Rodgers again. It's like the jab, jab, haymaker kind of boxing element. I mean, not even just that, it's, you know, Packers have inverted their offense that, again, another stat that I saw on Twitter that I cannot credit properly, and I apologize. (laughs) But the fact that it's the, where his average or average depth of targets or targets of depth, Mm -hmm. a dot. Yeah, average depth of target. Super low. Because they're doing all these kind of line of scrimmage. And it's working because they have guys that can really create after the catch and, you know, athletes, whether it's, you know, Christian Watson or obviously Dobbs, Aaron Jones, um, and just keeping making plays. But, like, I, I certainly hope that is the case and that, you know, this is, we're seeing this kind of rope a dope going on with the Packers offense, but right. I'm not, I'm not in too particularly worried, worried yet. It's just a matter of like, it's going good, but when do you start to be like, okay, they're just going to leave points on the board all year. Right. You Which know what it, I mean? Yeah. Hopefully like that was my prediction last week is that I want them to yes. absolutely blow out the Patriots and they didn't like that was an end of overtime buzzer beating kick from Mason Crosby that won them the game. And they just can't be doing that against these teams. Like we talked no. about it last week. They have these next, after last week, these next three games are really easy leading up to the Bills. And it's just expecting this sort of start beating the teams you're supposed to be beating by a larger margin than the six points they have so far already over the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's, and it's not like, a, like as we're, we're touching on it against them, but like the Giants defense doesn't have like Plouches, looking at PFF's um, defensive grades for the season so far, they've got Dexter Lawrence, who's uh, got two, yeah, two sacks and a bunch of pressures, and he's in the same sort of like grading area for how much you want to give worth PFF as Von Miller and Nick Bosa, <laughs> like two. That's really, nothing, right? That's two really big names playing, or and then which so between those guys is a guy who plays for the Giants, and then. Jalen Smith and um, Leonard Williams are all pretty highly graded too. So Thibodeau too is obviously their yeah, big. They're big. I think he's a rookie, isn't he? If I'm mistaken. Yes, he is. Yeah, third yeah. or fifth overall. Fifth. One of the yeah, Kevon Thibodeau. Yeah. So it's not like they have slouches. They're just playing the teams they're playing and ended up winning them because the other teams they're playing are bad. But they have talent and they have potential to make this game closer than it is, or than it should be, I should say. Like the talent yeah. levels. Like the top end talent levels for the for the Packers are far and above the the Giants top end pack uh level players if you put them all together. Like Saquon, one of the better running backs in the league, up there with Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette and Nick Chubb and with them of being the one of the best running backs in the league. But after that, it's negligible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I mean they're playing with house money at this point. Exactly. That's that is ultimately That's a where they're at. To, great way to put it. And they know that they're coming going against the Packers team that has three and one, but has been underwhelming in every one of their games. Yep. Um, so that makes for an even more interesting experience. I mean, the Packers are gonna be facing that largely with every team that they play against. Right. Um, outside of a few key exceptions as as we've gone over with the schedule and stuff like that. But like mm-hmm. I think that that's even more relevant in a 
game like this where it's a neutral field, it's being played six hours away from the United States. Right. <laughs> you know, all these kind of weird factors that normally don't get, you know, accounted for an NFL game outside of just like the Super Bowl. Um is it's present here and it's just a matter of okay which team can block out the noise and just kind of i don't know just keep going full steam ahead exactly and it's just like i really want to see a lot of what we saw last week with Romeo dobbs and Al lazard like start getting them more involved not getting them more involved they're one two receivers on the team but making sure we keep running Romeo dobbs off the line of scrimmage and down the field like we talked about it on Sunday's pod, uh, post game pod. I'm sorry, Monday's post game pod about just the pure athleticism that Romeo Dobbs has and how he just is able to go make plays and catch the ball and really be a positive for the offense. I'd like to still see Christian Watson get some stuff down the field rather than using him in the Amari Rogers preseason what we talked about, sort of the gadget jet sweeps, stuff like that. Like he got his first touchdown last week on a stuff something just like that because he is so fast. But at the same time, if he's that quick, I don't anticipate the Giants cornerbacks being able to keep up with someone like Christian Watson. And if they can, more power to them. But who knows if uh, these guys will be able to just keep up with an Aaron Rodgers-led passing attack with somebody with as much speed as Christian Watson has. Mm -hmm. That's my Absolutely. expectation. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anything else, Jordan? I'm looking through. Defense gotta play big. Keep feeding the rookies. Bakhtiari. Yeah, I mean, they talk about Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari. Yes, let's do it. He played uh, 70 snaps on Sunday. Adam Stenovich in his uh, press conference today said that uh, this is from Matt Schneidman. Quote that it was that was encouraging. He did a great job. You can still see he's building back to where he was, but he did a great job. So he's not David Bakhtiari of old, the all pro left tackle that we've come to love, but he's getting there. I mm. thought he played well on Sunday. And I'm hoping that he can keep that momentum going this week. Yep. Um, maybe it's just the layman in me and not understanding that these NFL players probably have luxurious flights over to London. But a man the size of David Bakhtiari's stature, I'd feel like is a long flight for a big guy coming off an ACL injury and a back injury. Yeah, I don't I'm think hoping it's still... nothing crops up, but I'd imagine <laughs> they have stuff to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's still not comfortable, right, to be in a plane for that long and right. Some hope, hope. Here's hoping nothing crops up and they ends up playing and protecting Aaron Rodgers' backside as he has had for the better part of a decade. Mm -hmm. So, overall, the line I think is in good shape. We never did go through the um the injury report, so we'll go through that now. Oh yeah, just yes. talk about it. Um, limited for the Packers this week was Jair Alexander, uh, Bakhtiari, as I'm pretty sure he's going to be all season, anyways. As we talk about each week, uh, EJ, Alan Lazard with his ankle again, which again we talked about last week. I think Lazard and Bakhtiari are going to be on the injury report all season or a majority of the season with these same injuries just so that they can limit them and not overwork them, given that the veterans that they are um, Josh Myers with a foot and Devonte Wyatt with a quad. So 
I'm not concerned that Devontae Wyatt's there on the injury report, but I'd like to see him play to continue building off the momentum he's been um, playing with these last couple of games. He had a good play on Sunday, shutting blocks, doing things like that. I want to keep seeing him build and become that first-round pick potential he has. Or um, fulfill that first-round potential he pick he has. Absolutely, yeah. And then... For the Giants, their injury report is a lot longer, <laughs> with a lot more DMPs than I'm sure they'd like. Um, I'll just go through the big names that we've kind of talked about or that you'll recognize. Um, Kenny Galladay did not participate, neither did Richie James, their leading receiver. Um, Julian Love is out in concussion protocol, one of their DBs. They have one, two, three, four DBs on this injury report. Um, Tyrod Taylor is also in concussion protocol. Um, and then Henry Mondu, a defensive lineman, did not participate as well. But it's going to be interesting how the Giants come into this game with their quarterback room because if Daniel Jones can't go, they'll need to play their backup. And I don't know if we know who that will be yet. But Bailey Zappi. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it'll be really important that Daniel Jones can go and can stay up right if he is going to play like that'll be a problem of the issue and if he can't run with that on an ankle i think it'll limit their offense even more mm-hmm. so but then um limited in participation was evan neal their offensive lineman their first round pick this year uh fabian moreau one of their d-backs uh Kadarius tooney with a hamstring and leonard williams um a defensive lineman with a knee injury so, but Daniel Jones did have limited participation today, um, Wednesday, uh, with his ankle. I believe I saw on Twitter he was running around, passing, passing on the run. So he's seemingly okay, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, to your point of they worked out a lot of quarterbacks this week, some names. Jake Fromm of oh. Georgia fame. Old AJ McCarron. Georgia, another Georgia. No, AJ McCarron was Alabama. Alabama, who I thought retired. SEC fans are in my menchies. Um, Brian <laughs> Luricky? No idea. Don't know. Sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. But yeah. Uh, At least your name's they... not Axel. <laughs> Axel Luricky. <laughs> Axel Luricky. Um, yeah, so they, they were working a lot. Of... Also, I believed, uh, wasn't there some like Odell Beckham thing of like he was in for a visit? Not that I, I saw. I think there is Justina Anderson said something about that, which I don't think he's is he even medically cleared. No, he's not. No, no, no. Yeah. So maybe it's just something down the road if the Giants are like, I don't know. The only five. The only um Odell news that I saw was oh the um that Rogers and him really enjoy talking together. They apparently talk often hmm. so but i think odell is talking often to a lot of players in the nfl he's seemingly pretty close with everybody it seems like von miller his old teammate from the super bowl last year he's by Miller said they talk aaron Rodgers. i'm guessing odell just might have a lot of friends in the league that's my Probably. guess so, yeah. yeah i'd be surprised to see him if he signed with the giants again i don't know why he'd go there that'd be weird <laughs> be very weird Cause like yeah he can't um Oh, Von Miller said that he went because 
to rewind. Von Miller said that he, this is from uh, Aliana Getzenberg, a Bill Bills reporter for ESPN. Uh, Von Miller said he talks to Odell Beckham Jr. every week and that he's sure the wide receiver could see him fitting in with the Bills. Miller said OBJ is, quote, uh, is going on a tour now. He's going to the Giants practice facility and the Saints and Tampa and all that stuff, which he should. Hmm. So I'm sure ODB is doing all of his tours to see who he wants to sign with once he's uh, returns from his ACL injury, which yeah. I'm not saying we need him as a receiver, but would be a great addition to a receiver. It's going to pop up again. I was talking with somebody at work and is like, the Packers never get game changers like Von Miller or ODB or any of these guys that are really impact players. And that's part of the reason why they don't like, kind of go that extra step in the playoffs every year is they don't have difference makers. And I think depending on how he comes back from his ACL injury, Odell Beckham could be that guy, but there's that's just there's no fire to that smoke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just just speculating. Yeah, exactly. But I'm sure it'll be a popular topic again. I'm sure when... it will when, once he is medically cleared and stuff like that. So, <laughs> Jordan, anything else regarding this week's footy match over in London? Do we do score predictions? Score predictions. Let's do it. You go. You want me to go first? I, I think I made you go first every time. Now. Yeah, you go first. I, I'm still debating. I really want it to be like 56 <laughs> to 10 because it really should be. They have more talent than them, than the Giants. The Packers have more talent than the Giants do, and they, it really should be like that. It's not going to be because that's just not how these things work. I'm going to go a little more reserved than my prediction last week. I will say 30 to 17. Hmm, breaking the one score spell for the Giants. Yep. Yeah, I think it's I'm in the mode of <clears throat> until the Packers prove that they can put together a complete performance, not get in their own way and you know, cop up the ball or force these mistakes upon themselves that they mm-hmm. have to overcome. I'm gonna I'm gonna the games are gonna get a little tighter. So I'm gonna say I want to say a weird score, but it'll make sense. 26-21 Packers. I think Mason Crosby has a lot of field goals. That'd be big. The crowd will love Mason. That's four field goals for Mason Crosby, which means we're driving and not getting into the end zone, which means we'd have a lot to talk about on Sunday. Yes. Like, I'm all for Mason Crosby doing Which, honestly, would be better than them I mean, it's still frustrating, but it would be better than them fumbling or throwing not a pick scoring in. and all that stuff. Yeah. So, alrighty, folks, get your beans and your toast ready, <laughs> your tea and your milk. It is an eight thirty kickoff Sunday morning. Get your get your uh, your jammies on. Your fish nice and warm chips. blanket. Fish and chips is for after the game. Oh, that's true. You have yeah. to prep it. Let it go in the fridge for a little bit. As any good Wisconsin knows, you got to put your fish, bread it in the fridge before you fry it. And uh, six thirty, or I'm sorry, eight thirty a.m. NFL Network. So, if you have NFL Network, good for you. If you don't, find a stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
or uh, fall on a GameCast, do what you do, but try to tune in for one of the historic games in NFL history and Packers history. I'm excited for it. I'll be happy regardless until the Packers start to play poorly, and then I'll stop being happy about the history. Yeah, the spectacle will be lost, and then it's like, ugh. The spectacle will be lost the, uh, the second the Packers win the toss, defer, and the Giants drive the field for a touchdown. I think they are 0-4 on uh, drives, like the first drive of the game. They have not stopped another team from scoring. So the, is that true? The, it is. I'm almost certain it is. The Vikings, Bears, Bucks, and Pat- Patriots have all scored in the first drive of the game. Whether it's a touchdown or a field goal. Yeah. So oh. hopefully they can get up numero uno. <laughs> yeah. This uh this week. So all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out all of our GSPN um family episodes this week. The Brewers unfortunately went out um in very sad fashion today against the Diamondbacks, but um Andrew and Adam will have the pod recap up for you today as well, Thursday. So go check that out, give them some support as they wrap up the brewer season. Um Hi and Rohan are right back at Bucks coverage. Uh talking about Media Day, that was a couple weeks ago. But then uh the preseason was the first game was last week. And now yes. the Bucks are overseas, just like the Packers are, doing a couple preseason games against the Hawks. And if I'm not mistaken, uh they're Jordan New and Adam released a pod uh today, Wednesday. Um, about that, right? Yes, we did. We talked about the fact that they are playing games in Abu Dhabi. Um, and it's not without some controversy or things getting under the rug and it's necessary conversations to have. And I mean, I'm sure people, some people won't like it, but I know Adam, I like Adam, I felt it was necessary to talk about, especially when it's essentially just going to be a promotion for for the specific region of 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 the world yeah (laughs) yeah let's uh just say the nba once again punted on a human rights issue where it could have made a stand Mm -hmm. yes absolutely but alas please check out all the pods there we're doing a lot of good work over here in my opinion um at the eurostep podcast network and blue wire pods so ESPN on info to get all that stuff. Go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts for future podcasts. Leave a review. Leave a rating. A five-star rating goes a long way for us. I love reading your reviews. We need to get some fresh new ones in there. So please uh get the fresh ones in. Come on. Come on. Oh, come on, in it. We just need some <laughs> some reviews. Four-star reviews. That's a five-star reviews. Do it for the queen and her memory. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta stop. Alright, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Jordan, my friend. Thank you. Thank you.